Hello and welcome to Raise the Room podcast. I'm your host, Danica. Here at Raise the Room, we are trying to consciously raise our kids, re-raise ourselves, and by doing so, raise the vibe of any room we walk into simply with our authenticity. Now let's get to it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Raise the Room. I am Danica, your host, and today we are going to be talking about human design and relationships. This was very much requested more than once, so I thought, okay, I'm going to put together an episode where people who maybe don't have kids yet but are in partnership or even just a close best friend, living with parents, roommates, whatever, want to know how designs work together. My episode on human design and parenting from a few weeks back has a similar vibe to it in that it's a solo episode and utilizes human design to help you in your relationships with your kids. I really want to be mindful of using a ton of human design lingo today. Um, I don't want it to be a bunch of gibberish that you don't understand, so I'm going to use it in the plainest terms possible because I want you to get a lot out of this without feeling like you're having to Google every second word because human design can come across as its own language for sure. So before you start this episode, if you are doing this with a certain person in mind, I really highly recommend you try and get their chart in front of you or around you, um, unless you're obsessed and you know it by heart like I would. (laughs) Um, It will be nice to have as a reference, same with your own. So you can go to any free chart generator online, put in their birth details and check it out. Human design does require that you know your birth minute. Um, So you know, call up your family, get the old 80s babies book out. Or in British Columbia here, we do have a way to find our birth time if it's not known and you have to pay, but it's called like the genealogical survey or something. I, You know what? I'll put the link in the show notes. I've had a few people use this route to get their exact birth time. But worst comes to worst, what you do is you just do some trial and error. If you don't know your own birth time or your partner's, you go to a chart generator and just put in a few different times throughout the day and see if there's any major changes. For some people, their design, like all three major parts, their authority, type, and profile stay the same for the whole date. And sometimes it's busy transits in the sky and it might change three times over the course of the day. So I would just try that way, try and figure out if they're, you know, if they know it's sort of the morning time, then put a couple of different times in the morning and see if there's any shifts and do your best. But in order to be into human design, you do have to be that crazy that asks your friend's parents when they were born and your partner's parents when they were born and your new friend at mom group when she was born. It's just gonna, let's just normalize it. Anywho, in my first episode, I referenced the fact that my husband and I have very similar designs, like the the big three, your type, um, authority and profile. I thought we were opposites before I got his chart done and then I got his chart done and we are both two four splenic projectors. And as much of a shock as it was, it was like the clouds parting for me, understanding him in a totally different and unique way. 
And it's something that I'm honestly grateful for. And, you know, I don't know if he thinks so or not, but I think he's grateful for it too, because I think there is something to be said for me having a really strong understanding of both of our designs and our needs and trying to set up our family and our schedule and lives in a way that supports that. And I, you know, I force human design on him all the time. So at this point, it's it's second nature for him. So have your chart and your partner's chart with you or in your brain. And the two main things you need to know is your type and whether in front of your type it says emotional or not. If somewhere on your chart it says you are an emotional manifesting generator or an emotional generator, emotional projector, emotional manifester, you need to know those two things. If it does not say emotional on your chart, then you are not. Uh, this sounds weird. I realize it sounds weird. This is where the human design world is like, what? You're not emotional? What? When I found out I was a non-emotional, I'm like, but I'm the biggest crybaby of all my friends. I'm the sensitive one. I'm the one that cries all the time. I'm the one who can't handle scary or sad movies. Like, what do you mean I'm not emotional? And I won't get into that. There's a very clear reason for that. But for the sake of today's episode, to get what you want out of it, know your types of you and your partner or the person you're doing this comparison with and whether either of you is emotional or not. That means having an emotional authority in human design. Now, before we continue, obviously going to preface this with there are no bad designs. There are no bad matches. It's kind of different than astrology where it's like these two pair well together and these two, you know, are a crazy couple and whatever. That might be the case, but um, in human design, there's no bad matches. There's no bad designs. There is just... Uh, there might just be some bad vibes when there's a lack of self-awareness on either partner's part. That goes for just relationships in general. So learning about your human design can be such a wonderful lens from which to like see your partner through. So any human design type can be with any other human design type and have a successful, wonderful relationship. Or any type can be with any other type and it can be a train wreck. It just is how it goes. So we're going to focus on two areas, your type in relation to your sacral definition. I'm going to do a little bit of pre-teaching here in human design lingo, sacral definition. If you are a sacral being, means your sacral center in human design is defined. Okay, again, I'm already getting into the weeds here. But basically, if you are a generator or a manifesting generator, you are a sacral being. Okay, so that's where the type comes in. If you're a generator or a manifesting generator, you have sacral definition. You are a sacral being. We're going to talk about the sacral center today because the sacral center is essentially our battery. It is our engine. It's the fuel that gets us going. And when you are a generator or a manifesting generator, you have a larger, more consistent engine than those that are manifestors, reflectors, and projectors. Sacral beings make up about 70% of the world. So you are kind of in the norm if you are a generator or manifesting generator. And I want to talk about what this looks like in relationship when both of you are sacral beings, when both of you are not, when one is, is and one isn't, which is really common as well. 
So having sacral definition, being a generator or a manifesting generator, you are here on this earth to use up the bountiful energy that you've been given in ways that satisfy and stimulate you. This can sometimes be like your classic high energy person. They're active, you know, they have to do lots. It can be also though satisfying or stimulating just simply in like mentally stimulating ways. You know, the brainiac. It can be somebody who just gets stimulation from being in social interactions with friends, the social butterfly, whatever it is that causes that feeling of satisfaction to you as a sacral being, it is crucial that you drain the battery, the energy that you're given completely before you try and rest or sleep or whatever. Because if you don't, you'll be left feeling a little restless. You're going to be left feeling a little frustrated. Your life is about pouring into your joy and doing things that satisfy you. When you are a non-sacral being, you're a projector, manifester, reflector, we have not been gifted the same energy. (laughs) Our energy does not operate, you know, wake up with a full tank and use it consistently until sundown. Ours is an energetic ebb and flow. We got to capitalize when we have the energy and we've got to relax and rest when we don't. And we need more rest and relaxation than the sacral beings, the generators and manifesting generators of this world. We just do. So sink into that. Own it. Create a space in your relationship if you are this person for it to be a no shame policy when needing a nap. (laughs) When you are somebody who's not a sacral being, if you are in the presence of somebody that is a sacral being, which is 70% of our world, so you are most of the time, you will take in and absorb their energy. You are going to take in the generator energy and run off of it as if it's your own fuel that they've just like filled up your tank with this burst of energy and you get that push, that kickstart to do something because you're around this sacral life-giving energy. But what happens is you eventually learn that you're running on empty after a while because you're not meant to keep going and the generator in your life is and you crash and burn. You are in overdrive. So this plays out really uniquely in relationships, especially when you have one of each. When you have a sacral person with a non-sacral person, you have to be really aware of each other's energetic needs. The generator is going to need to maybe not necessarily go somewhere and do more things, but they're going to need more stimulation than the person who's a non-sacral and stimulation in a way that satisfies them. They are going to need, you know, maybe more things on the go or more, you know, puzzles to figure out in their brain or more socialization, more um, exercise. They might just need more than the other person and that is totally okay. The other person is going to have the opportunity to capitalize on being with somebody that does have this bountiful energy and getting to kind of bring them up and out and feed them some motivation. But they, as a non-sacral, are going to have to be very self-aware when they're overdoing it, when they are living like a generator and they're not supposed to. There's going to have to be a healthy sense of understanding and detachment and individuality in this type of pairing because 
one person is going to need to chill more than the other. And again, there's no shame in that. That person brings a totally different set of gifts to the relationship according to their type and, you know, just who they are, their life experience and their soul. But knowing this, knowing that one of you wakes up with a full tank, needs to drain it fully by the end of the day by doing things that satisfy and stimulate them, and one of you is going to have to just ride a different wave is going to capitalize and rest and might not be able to keep up or has to figure out a system so that they can keep up in a certain way, taking more naps, taking more breaks, um, sitting certain things out or whatever the system is that you figure out. But always keeping that awareness that um, you are not cut from the same cloth and that is not a bad thing and just honoring your each individual needs, you will then be able to develop the routines and structures that you need so that everybody can get what they need from the day, from your life and to live in alignment and in some sort of harmony despite these sort of significant differences. When you are both sacral beings, so it's two generators or two manifesting generators or one of each together, um, it's great because you kind of have a, a match in in what you can handle. But the difference is, is that you're both going to have different interests. You're going to have different things that satisfy you. The way that you utilize this bountiful energy is different. You know, you might be the person that needs a lot more physical activity, whereas the other person needs maybe more mental stimulation or social stimulation. Neither of these things is wrong, but ensuring that whatever it looks like as you come together as a couple, that both of you are being satisfied with how your life is set up and how you can pour into your joy, that it's not totally one-sided, you're doing only one person's interests, um, or not getting enough joy at all. Both of you are working and your work doesn't give you joy. Whatever it is, the sacral beings need to make their own personal joy a priority in the relationship so that when you do come together, if you have a difference in what gives you joy, that you guys are not in a state of frustration, that you're not feeling frustrated by this sort of restlessness or pent-up energy that you want to utilize that your body wants to get rid of so that you can come together and have more fun and not be pissy <laughs> with each other. And maybe you're just this little dream generator couple that has the same interests and the same way you utilize your energy and you're just this lovely unicorn couple that has, you know, hobbies that they love to do together and you don't need a ton of that individual time to pour into your joy that being together and doing the things you love is your joy. And that's amazing if you have that harmony. When you have two non-sacral beings together, so projector and a reflector, two projectors or a manifestor reflector, a manifestor projector, two manifestors, whatever it is, you both will have ebbs and flows. You will need more rest and you might need to change up your environment or ch like change up the people that you're around in order to get certain types of motivation. So a classic example, let's say for me, if I need to get work done, I like to go 
to a cafe where I can put in my headphones, but I am in the presence of other people's sacral energy because I don't have sacral energy and I kind of get in this productive zone. When I'm at home, I start getting productive about, you know, my laundry and how messy my house is and I'm cursing my to-do list and I'm productive about everything except for what I'm trying to be focused on. But if I can change my environment and change the people that I'm around, I get into that flow state of being productive, which doesn't come as easily as, say, a generator a generator or manifesting generator waking up in the morning. So keeping in mind that sometimes you're going to have to rally each other to get things done. Sometimes you're going to have to spell each other off like, okay, you know what? This is something you have to do on your own today because I need a nap. I'll do it next time, whatever it is. I mean, I'm living in a two-projector parenting household. It's really hard. Our generator kids, like, I mean, kids just obviously have way more energy than we do, but our kids specifically, their energetic makeup is to go hard like all day long, and it is not ours. And big picture, this is a blip in time in our lives, and it's a beautiful experience that I'm really grateful that we have. And it's so fucking tiring. <laughs> the amount, like we we honestly take turns um, having naps. We're very understanding of like, okay, I'm going to lay down for 20 minutes or you take them out and I'll get this done or you do this with them and I'll do that. Like we now know that we're both projectors and we both need to spell each other off and we call upon our community like, okay, kids are going to grandparents for the weekend and we're both going to just chill. There's nothing wrong with us both being projectors, both having lower energy than let's say the generator population but the awareness is what's allowed us to set ourselves up for success okay so I think that pretty much covers what I wanted to say about sacral pairings in relationships whether you're a generator or a manifesting generator that means you you are a sacral being you need to pour into your joy you need to use your energy in a satisfying and stimulating way you have buckets of it compared to the other types it's full tank in the morning needs to be used all the way up before you go to bed and you need to make sure that you're living in alignment whether your partner is also a generator or manifesting generator or they're not so that you can help the energy management of the household and save yourself and your partner from some frustration if you're a non-sacral being you are going to have to be really on the lookout if you are living with somebody that is a sacral being, which chances are you are because that's 70% of the population. You're going to have to be really tuned in to your own energetic cues, your sleepy cues, your burnout cues, and being protective of your peace because there's the other side to getting too caught up in a generator world. It's dawning on me before we move on to the next section that I probably should have made a PSA like this is not going to solve all of your problems in the relationship and it's not going to be total harmony and rainbows and unicorns all the time in case you you didn't realize that but it's definitely gonna help. Please excuse me while I interrupt myself to talk to you about ways that you can work with me Danica. 
You can sign up for a human design session with me where we go over your chart in depth, either a level one or a level two reading for those of you that have a little bit of base knowledge already. You can also sign up for a reading to get your own chart and your child's chart read or really any secondary chart if you'd rather it be your partner. All of these sessions are in-depth overviews of your human design for those of you that want to go deep in understanding your design. For those of you that just want to dip your toe in the water, especially in regards to understanding your children, I have human design parenting courses. These courses are tools to put in your toolkit to try and understand the little humans that you are raising in regards to their type in human design. These courses are broken down into four easily digestible segments, totaling about 30 to 40 minutes each. You can stop and start when you like, and we'll walk away with practical strategies for how to work with your child's design instead of against them. I've put a lot of love into these videos, both in my understanding of human design, but also my understanding of children from being an elementary school teacher and a mother going through the thick of it just like you. When you purchase these courses, you're then also given access to what's called the remainder reading, where I go over the main elements of your child's chart, which then equates to having a full level one reading done of them. This reading is only available if you've already bought the Human Design Parenting course. It's very exclusive. Even though my website is currently under construction, this is still where you will be able to book a reading and find the courses, danicamarie.com. That's Danica with a C. Or in my Instagram bio link tree at raise.the.room on Instagram. All right, enough of me. Let's get back to the episode, which I guess is more me. So, spoiler alert, um, because of parenthood and life, I don't get a ton of uninterrupted time. So, I often record these in segments, in chunks. And I recorded that first half a few days ago, and I had a couple of thoughts since then. And the first is that obviously, when I'm sharing about human design, um, none of this is like therapeutic or like, you know, medical explanations of anything. An explanation about sacral definition and being a generator, you know, that does not, that's not going to make up for your iron deficiency <laughs> and your lack of energy. <laughs> like, I, and I know, especially a bunch of gener- generators and manifesting generators hear that they have this bountiful energy. And like, especially when they're parents, they're like, please, what? Um, where, where is this energy that you're talking about? Um, I know it can feel like at this time in your life, like it doesn't, it doesn't resonate or land, perhaps. But I just wanted to make that known because then this next section that I'm going to talk about is all about emotions and having emotional definition in human design. And again, this does not account, you know, for mood disorders or if you're somebody that, um, you know, has struggles with depression and anxiety, like, you know, not that you can't listen to this and not that it doesn't apply to you in the same way, but obviously we are layered, nuanced humans. And so what I'm explaining about your human design, of course, will not and probably should not align perfectly with you and your life because, yeah, we are dynamic people. There's way more to us than just what's in that chart. So I want to make that known and clear So that I can just rest easy, I guess, and that you're not, you know, yelling at your phone on the other end of this listening to me. (laughs) 
<laughs> all right. So now that we've cleared that up, I want to move on to the next section, which is all about emotional definition in human design. And I chose you know, energy and feelings, essentially, sacral definition and emotional definition for this episode, because these are two really strongly influential aspects of your human design chart that you feel on a daily basis. These charts are so intricate. I don't even know the half of it, really. Um, But there are lots of things that are much more subtle and that you may just notice, you know, a couple times over the course of a year, it shows up in certain scenarios only. But these two things are essentially affecting your feelings or your energetic makeup all the time. So when you're in partnership, it can be really helpful to understand how they operate with these specific two parts of human design. So anybody in human design can be emotional. And I know the languaging is really weird here. It's called being an emotional in human design or being a non-emotional. It's weird. It just is what it is. I'll explain the difference between the two. But any type except for reflectors can be emotional in human design. The only type that cannot be emotional is a reflector. It will say on any free chart generator, you do not have to pay for this information if you are emotional or not. It will say it beside the section that says authority. So you can be an emotional manifester, emotional projector, emotional generator, or emotional manifesting generator. All of those are possible. And about 50% of our world operate and are emotionals. So it's half. It's literally one in two have emotional authority in human design. So chances are you are in relationship. Like I can guarantee you are in relationship with somebody that is emotional if you're not yourself. And that doesn't just mean your romantic partner. It can mean your parents, your siblings, your best friend, like your boss. Somebody in your life has emotional definition if it's not you yourself. All right. What does it mean to be emotional? When you have emotional authority in human design, you essentially wake up with feelings. And these feelings have nothing to do, seemingly nothing to do, with the world around you. It's like an under-the-surface wave of emotions that you are always riding. And you can wake up some days and be in the high of your wave, you know, the peak of your wave. You're feeling good. You're on it. You're more inclined to say yes to decisions. And sometimes you can wake up and you're in the valley, the low of your wave. And you're more shut off. You're more just feeling, ugh, you don't know why. Whatever that looks like for you, some days that just happens. And It has nothing to do with what's going on in your life, who you're around, you know, any sort of dynamics that are going on. It's completely internal. Some days you will wake up in the neutral of your wave and the neutral is where you want to make your decisions and where you kind of want to find your way back to, but there's no forcing it. If you're in a high or you're in a low, you have to ride it out. That is part of your human experience here on this earth as somebody with emotional definition. This isn't to say that you don't get feelings because of the stuff in your life. You can then also have a 
it's not like a surface layer, but I say surface in the sense that it's external. It's externally affected um, feelings and moods because, you know, of your kids driving you nuts, your job being difficult, you're thrilled because you're going uh, on a trip or you've got an event coming up or whatever it is. You also have emotions because of that. But underneath, there is an under-the-surface wave that is happening. The feelings are within you. I like to say sometimes, too, for some people, that you can imagine it almost like background music that's going on. And let's pretend we don't have control over the background music. The background music is going to affect how you walk through life in your day-to-day lives. It's going to make you feel more excited or energized or it's going to make you feel more somber or wistful or whatever. And then in turn, sometimes that does affect our behavior. One thing that I do find true about these people is that they don't necessarily take on the emotions of others but they do internally process a lot. I mean, they're here to experience the full range of emotions, but they're not so, um, it's not like they're not sensitive, but it doesn't overtake them. And for non-emotionals, it does. And we'll, we'll get to that later. One way you can support your partner if they are emotional is by not forcing them to explain why they're feeling what they're feeling. They're not always going to have an answer they aren't always going to be able to put their finger on it. So just honoring like if they're having an off day or they're having a good day or whatever it is, honoring them where they're at is one of the best ways you can support the people that are emotionally defined in your life. Another sort of side note or offshoot about people that are emotional is one thing my mentor told me is that when she was having a bunch of client sessions with people and she had this sort of influx of men at one point and she was seeing a lot of men that were emotionally defined and they weren't super resonating with this explanation of having you know internal feelings being sort of moody to say <laughs> for lack of a better word but what she did notice about all of these guys is they had an extreme need to have exercise as a very regular part of their lives. They were men that maybe grew up in a time where accepting and processing and expressing your feelings was not the norm for men. So so possibly there's some suppression going on or they're just not in touch with that. However, what they were very in touch with was their need to burn energy and to have an outlet. And she, this isn't official human design talk, but my mentor was just saying, I can't help but notice a connection here and wondering if this outlet is sort of a helpful way for them to regulate their their wave and work through it. And before we move on to non-emotionals, I want to share one final tip with supporting your emotional partner. Not forcing them to make quick decisions is going to make a massive difference in the rhythm and flow and overall contentedness of your relationship. People with emotional authority need time and space to get clear on what it is that they're feeling because of this internal wave. They essentially are waiting until they get back to a neutral part of their wave to fully understand where they land on certain matters. So as a partner, understanding that you can't rush their process, 
they need time for clarity. The human design tagline sort of for emotional authority people is there is no truth in the now. So implementing strategies and structures such as, hey, I have this idea. There's no need to get back to me right now, but let me know, you know, in a couple of days or when it feels right or front loading them like, yeah, we're going to have to do this soon. Um, I just want you to start thinking about it now so that they can start processing whatever it is you guys need to decide or do throughout the fluctuations in their waves so that they're ready when the time comes. This will make a massive difference. They will feel so seen and will feel so much less pressure to operate like the other people in the world that don't have to wait the amount of time that they do for clarity. Those of us that have sacral authority, like gut uh, instinct decisions, or me, for example, I have splenic authority. It's a very instantaneous knowing. Spur the moment decisions are okay for us. For people that are emotionally defined, it's not. It's stressful and they often will end up just doubling back on decisions that they've made, whether they've said yes too much when they were in the peak or they've said no too much when they're in the valley of their wave. It ends up being something where their mind changes and it can be frustrating for everybody involved. For those of us that are non-emotionals, I remember the day when I found this out because I was like, oh, that's wrong. I'm highly emotional. I'm extremely sensitive. (laughs) This does not make sense. What it means, though, in human design speak does make a lot of sense and actually really helped me understand my own emotions truly a lot better. Those of us that are non-emotionals, so that's any of us where it doesn't say emotional on our chart, next to our authority, you could have a variety of different things, sacral, splenic, um, mental. There's a lot of different authorities that you can have that are not emotional. If that's the case, you are a non-emotional in human design. We, when we wake up in the morning, wake up in the same cool, calm, collected mood or in neutral, if you will. We do not wake up with feelings. Our feelings are solely triggered by the world around us, by the circumstances in our life. So obviously, if you're going through an extremely hard time and you wake up, you know, you're experiencing grief and you wake up feeling sad, that <laughs> that is... True. I'm not saying that those aren't true feelings, but it's because of something that you can point to in your life. It's not this internal, almost emotional engine that the emotionals are heavily influenced by all the time. So you might be asking yourself, okay, so how does this make you extremely sensitive, Danica? It doesn't really sound like it should. And here is where understanding your partner's emotional definition in human design is key. If you are a non-emotional, you are designed to feel the feelings of the other people around you in a more heightened way than those people themselves are experiencing them. So like the ultimate empath. So if you are living or in partnership or whatever with somebody who is emotional and they have this internal engine of feelings that they're sort of pumping out at all times, we take in those feelings and we feel them more intensely than the people themselves with the emotions. So like 
if you're hanging out with your partner and they wake up and they're just like, you know, whatever, they've woken up and they're a little eh, they're like a three out of ten. We take in those feelings like a sponge or almost like an echo chamber inside us. And we feel them like they're like a heightened six out of ten, seven out of ten, much worse than them. We are kind of at the mercy of the emotionals of the world and their waves if we are not aware. So when I learned this, it really started to make me reflective about the times when I was feeling extremely emotional or sensitive. And I noticed, yes, I could almost always pinpoint why, like maybe with the exception of during my period, because who knows what's going on then. But I could almost always pinpoint the root of why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And I realized so often I was taking on the moods, the feelings, the reactions of others. I was completely absorbing and allowing myself to be overtaken by the feelings of the people around me. And this, of course, became extremely true and very heightened once I was parenting a toddler where their feelings are all over the map. I also want to be clear One is not better than the other. If you are emotionally defined or you're not, there are pros and cons to both sides. And I don't want to sound judgmental. I'm I'm truly not. But it has been such an important piece of learning for myself and an important lens to kind of view my own experience through. Because now I'm acutely aware of the people around me and their emotions And I am also acutely aware of putting up some almost energetic boundaries. Like I can feel sometimes if somebody's getting worked up or upset around me and I notice my heart rate start to quicken too, it's like I will take a step back, take a deep breath, maybe put my hand on my heart or just even sometimes I put up an invisible, like a mental wall. I visualize it. Yeah, I'm not really listening or present in the conversation, but if they're letting her rip, then (laughs) I sometimes am mentally really telling myself like these are not your emotions to take on. Obviously, it's not perfect. I do not have it figured out down to a science, but I have the awareness where if their feelings have sort of washed over me and I've taken them on, I, when I remove myself, am able to shed them much more quickly and go like, oh yeah, I'm feeling this way because of them or I was caught up in the excitement because of them, but I actually don't want to do this or whatever, (laughs) whatever it is. So if you are a fellow non-emotional, I invite you to get curious and reflective about your own emotional state and checking in with yourself and going, is this really me or have I taken this on from somebody else? And when all else fails, remove yourself from a situation. Go spend some time alone. There is nothing more cleansing for a non-emotional than to just be in their own energy and not have the effect of other people around you. Let's talk about combinations. When two emotionals are together, the trickiness can be obviously sometimes you're at different points in your wave. One might be up and excited and the other might be low and shut down their ideas and decisions. Um, And it can also be tricky sometimes in both of you needing time and space to get clarity on what you're feeling. So really try and set your life up so that when it comes time to make big decisions, there's not this pressure to do so right in the moment. Obviously, you know, we're humans. We're going to have to sometimes make split decisions. But for the big important stuff, really giving each other space and being gentle with 
both of you being able to arrive at your neutral so that you can both move forward the best way possible. When you have an emotional and non-emotional together, I think it's pretty obvious the non-emotional will sometimes be experiencing the wave of the emotional in quite a heightened way. So you're really wanting to make sure that each of you can be in your own space and be really self-aware of who's feeling what. And finally, for two non-emotionals, communication is key because for the most part, if things are you know, going okay in your life, you will wake up in the neutral and it's going to be things in your day-to-day life, in your environment, in your life circumstances that are going to knock you off kilter. So explaining to the other person or asking, inquiring and being curious with the other person about why they're off or feeling the way they're feeling is going to help both of you get to the bottom of it because each of each other then is going to feel each other's feelings (laughs) like, pretty intensely. So when you're able to name it, you can both just move forward much more easily. So I think overall, you're now fully ready to continue psychoanalyzing your partner. (laughs) Um, There are no bad designs. We want to be aware of our own design first and foremost, and then learn the people in our lives so that we can best support them and best support ourselves. However, before we end, I do have a couple listener questions. So the first one that I got was, I'm really finding human design helpful. My partner doesn't believe in it. How can I get him to my side? (laughs) Okay, also all these questions are anonymous, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, Yeah, this one is just a classic, like you can't, you know, you can lead a horse to water, the situation. There's nothing you can do or say to convince them. And really what you want is a partner who's interested for their own sake, not because you told them to be. But I will say human design is great in the sense that you can observe tendencies in other people and share it back to them, share back what you're witnessing. And it doesn't have to be in human design language. So let's say your partner is a generator and when they're doing something they love you notice that magnetic energy that's spreading, you know, raising of the room, you can share that back. You can reflect that and say like, you know, you know what's so cool when you are playing with the kids and you guys are roughhousing and tickling, like it's so obvious that you are joyful. And what's cool is that everybody around you in the room is feeling that too. And it's like, you're literally telling him about human design, but you don't even have to use the words or you know, if you have a projector partner, you can share things like, sometimes I notice you pushing yourself too hard when what you really just need to do is rest. And that's no big deal. I mean, these are all things we do probably anyways, as naggy bitches. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) As, you know, partners that care about our partner's well-being. But I would just start dropping knowledge without it being human design knowledge. And then one day when you feel like they're open enough, you can be like, bam, you're a projector and I told you so. (laughs) All right, next question. What do I do when my partner is a projector and so am I? And so we're constantly waiting for each other's invitation. Ooh, this is a good one. So this is a little bit more in-depth human design, but when you are a projector, the best way for you to 
work with the world and the people around you is to wait to be invited to do so. And this can be a direct invitation or it can be like, you know, somebody is open and curious about what you're doing. They're asking questions. So you feel there's almost an energetic invitation to continue or whatever the situation may be. But when you're in partnership with a fellow projector, which I am, you have to be really explicit about wanting to be invited to do things. And you have to be really aware about extending invitations as well. It's 100% a give what you get type deal. As for most things, awareness is key. Once you start paying attention to what the situation turns out to be like when you do extend an invitation, you know that they'll like, you can then use that and be like, hey, when I did this the other day, I would love the same thing. Or it makes me feel really good when you blank. It's just basic open communication. And I'm not saying this to belittle. Like sometimes that that match <laughs> or mismatch is tricky because you're waiting for the other to instigate, initiate. You just got to figure out your little hacks to work around it. Last question. I am somebody that has sacral authority. So I make gut decisions. This person writes, and my partner has emotional authority. It is so tricky. How can we make aligned decisions, but not constantly feel out of sync? Okay, this is a wonderful question. And I have to say, I'm not experienced in this in the sense that my partner and I are both spontaneous decision makers as far as our authority goes in human design. But I think the best way to go about this is you, when you have an in the moment knowing have to just hold on to that in the moment knowing and allow your partner to come to terms with whatever their decision or truth is on the matter. Basically, you're going to have to be patient. You don't want them to rush. Now, if it's a situation where you're noticing they are rushing all of the time, (laughs) then gently encouraging them with phrases like, hey, there's no rush or it seems like you're going back and forth. Why don't we take time? for you to figure it out and start to feel consistent about something. Like like I said earlier, really kind of fostering and nudging them in the direction of being aligned with their design, but without saying it completely outright. But yeah, bottom line, when you're somebody that has that instant in the moment knowing, you are going to be left waiting, I think, when your partner does need time and space. And you know what? That's okay. Sometimes we straight up just need to honor each other's differences and know that if it was totally up to you, you'd be doing something differently. But that's not what partnership is, right? It is about coming together on a happy medium with certain things and totally letting your partner to have their way with certain things. And then hopefully you get your way, however that may look. Let's summarize what we've gone over. In human design, two of the most influential aspects of your chart is your sacral definition. So whether you're a generator, manifesting generator, or any other type, and your emotional definition, whether you have emotional authority or you don't. These two things are so key to know about your partner because they dictate how you walk through the world. When you're in partnership or you are somebody that 
is a sacral being, you need to make sure that you are filling your cup with satisfying and stimulating activities and using up all of the energy that you've been gifted. When you are a non-sacral being, so projectors, manifestors, reflectors, you need to rest. You need to capitalize when you have that flow of energy and you need to rest when you have the ebb and the lull. And if your partner is this way, then you need to understand that they're going to need more rest than you. They probably won't get as much done as you or keep up with you in certain areas of your life. And that is totally okay. Their gifts lie in other situations. So noting this saying, hey, if you want to sit this one out, that's a very supportive way you can help your non-sacral partner. And those of you that are the non-sacrals advocating, I can't handle this. I need to rest. You'll like me better if you let me sit this one out. (laughs) Whatever the situation may be, we really have to protect our peace. When you are somebody that has emotional authority or you're with somebody that has emotional authority, you need to honor the fact that You're going to have moods that are outside of your control and that you need time and space for your decisions. You can support your partner by saying things like, there's no rush. We don't need to make any decisions right now. Or you may need to advocate for yourself. Like, I need time for this. I'm not going to be able to get clarity until I've sat with it for a while. And finally, non-emotionals. You need to check yourself. (laughs) Make sure the feelings that you're feeling are true to what's in your heart and that you've not just simply taken them on from the world around you. Remove yourself from situations so that you can kind of wash away the residue of other people's feelings. When your partner is a non-emotional, you can check in with them and reflect back what you see. Like, hey, I didn't actually see you that upset until after you spoke with your mother about the same thing or that meeting seemed to get you a little tense even though you didn't say much do you need to take a breather outside there are so many ways that you can kind of just help them think about what it is that they're actually feeling that's not in relation to the other people around them all right well i think that about covers it you are I think fully equipped now to frolic off into the sunset together and never bicker ever, ever, ever again, right? (laughs) No, that's not what it's about, but I hope you do today walk away with a little bit more awareness about yourself and maybe about the important people in your life and how you can work with each other's designs to bring more alignment into the relationship and your life overall. And I just want to say that if you are here and you're genuinely curious about yourself and about the people that you love, then you are undoubtedly raising the room. Until next time. Thank you so much for spending your precious time here with me today. If you'd like more, please follow along at raise.the.room on both Instagram and TikTok. Or you can go to my website, danicamarie.com. That's Danica with a C. Here, you can book a human design session with me for you or your child, or you can get one of my human design parenting courses that helps you understand your child's human design type. They're designed to help you work with the child you have instead of against them. And finally, if you're still here, this would be the point where I'd ask you to rate and review the podcast, except just saying it out loud makes me want to die. So instead, I'll say, please share with a friend. I'd really appreciate it. And finally... Let's always remember that with all that you have to offer, 
you will always raise the room. Can't wait to chat soon. Bye.